Welcome to the Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors and hear about what they're learning, what they're teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Sermon podcast. This is Pastor Nate, and I'm hanging out with uh, on Zoom with my wife, Michelle, who preached on Sunday. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. How are you doing? So good. I'm glad to be here. Well, glad we're glad we are glad to have you here. I'm, I'm glad to hang out with you, even if we are on Zoom. Um, I'm at the Dover location right now. Michelle just got out of work, and so she's at home. And uh, Listen, thanks for preaching on Sunday, and we're going to have a conversation about being authentic. So I will have to work on making sure this conversation is authentic. So I guess um, we should start with, um, do you have any beef to pick with me? I got no beefs. All right. (laughs) Oh, me either. Now that we've cleared the air, everybody knows um, that we're good. That's good. There's uh, about 100 kids it sounds like a hundred kids at the Dover location too. So if anybody can hear that coming over the microphone, that's what that is. That's on my end, not on Michelle's end. So it's uh, kids. There's something happening at the Dover church today. So everybody just, if you hear the background noise, that's what's going on with that. Um, Michelle, anything, anything that you want to focus in on, on your message to get us started? I don't think so. It was funny to be preaching about like authentic and I was terrified, which is not something I guess I would have shared from the stage, but I don't know if people picked up on it, but it was scary. Like, how do you guys do that every week? What, um, what made it scary? I don't know. I think I, right. You always have that fear of saying something wrong or out of context or, um, losing your place or looking at your paper too much or moving out of the camera view or right. There's just so many things that go through your head on a Sunday morning. I wonder how you and the other pastors handle that. But yeah, it was just, there was a huge part of me that's like, I don't want to be authentic about how this horrible this feels, but I'm just going to run with it and act like I know what I'm doing. Well, I think you do know what you're doing. You just don't get enough practice at it, but right. I always appreciate when you preach, uh, you know, I, I love the perspective that you bring. Obviously, we've got different giftings and we look at things differently. So I like that. I like that about our preaching team. We're all coming from different places and God's using each of us to add to add something um, to the church. He's using us in our own unique way to, to build the body and to help and to help the church. What do you know, what do you think about your message on Sunday, or even the whole Be Known series. Um, what do you think about being authentic? That it, why, you know, why it's so important for the people listening to the podcast, for the people in our church? Yeah, I think if, I think if we're not authentic, then we're never truly known, right? And which is what we all want. Like we want to be known by somebody. We want to be seen and understood. Um, which I think is why we aren't authentic at times. So we think that if we're like perfect or we have it all together, or we're really good at something, even though we hate it or whatever it is. Um, 
then then we won't, I don't know, then we won't be liked. Um, or we will be liked if we're all those fake things, I should say. Um, but really even other people like friends are looking for authenticity from us, right? Like when we hang out with people and we're not sure if they want to be there or not, because they're not saying, right? It, and we they look like they don't want to be there, but really they're just tired, right? People are more even on a low level authentic about that. Like I'm tired. I, I'm excited to be here. I'm just tired, right? It makes everyone in the room feel at ease. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think it, right? It builds relationships. It makes us feel calmer, makes the people around us feel calmer. Um, and then we, we're truly known. We truly begin to grow and change and develop and be who God wants us to be. Yeah. Why, you know, how does it, why, why is it so scary to be known to to be authentic, to let people in on who we are and what we're like. And I think the fear of not being liked or accepted for the most part. I'm sure there's a little bit of other things, but I think we want to be liked. We want to be, people want us around. Um, I think you can backfire on us too, right? Sometimes you're open and transparent and then people use that they weaponize that against you. Yeah, for sure. Which is the scary part of it. But I don't know that that, that, I don't think that that happens in church. I think the scripture that you preached on Luke 12, I feel like this is the part that's more true. People are pretending they're more spiritual than they are. They're pretending yeah. they have their life more together than they do. And it's not because they're afraid of being known, but rather it's for another reason. Um, you know, it's for influence. Yeah, they want to be respected. They want to be respected. Um, have you ever have you ever had interaction with anybody like that before? Have you ever been, have you ever done that before? Trying to act more spiritual than you were, or having it more together than you were. I mean, I think we've seen people do that. Um, there are probably times in my life where I go to church and put a smile on and act, you know, I trust God or whatever, but inside I'm probably struggling. Um, that's a little bit like sometimes we have to do that. Um, but I think we've seen leaders do that in our history of working in the church where they seem like they have it all together and their church is amazing. And then all of a sudden it all falls apart or they're not pastors anymore. And you just wonder how they got there, right? It was a small step of being more religious or spiritual or having it all together when you didn't right. have it together, right? And it all crumbles, like in that that scripture will like continues to say, right? Like it's all gonna come out anyways. Right. But how much of it, like, do we wanna let it come out in the beginning? Like, hey, I'm struggling with this or do we want it to come out on its own and it destroy our career? Right or our family, right? So we have the control to decide when it comes out, but it's going to come out. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I think that, like I've seen that, I think I've done it not intentionally, not because I want people to think I'm good, but I don't want to make something about me, which might be another reason people don't share. Um, I think there's, 
I think there's a time and a place too. I feel like there's a little bit of difference between authentic and transparent, and there's a there's a timing problem. So I think one thing that um, pastoral couples, you like, if you get, which we did, I was a pastor when we got married, and um, that's you know that's pretty common. But pastors, um, husband and wives, they get in fights just like everybody else does. And the challenge is if you get a fight right before service, like you're driving into church, you get a disagreement, there's a tension and there's no time to resolve it. Now you've got to walk into the church together. You obviously don't keep fighting in the church lobby. And and we've seen that. (laughs) We've, We've seen that happen before, not with anybody currently in our church, but, but we've seen that happen. You don't do that. That's not, authentic that's psychotic right that's immature that's poor boundary so that doesn't mean your fate right when we walk in and we take a deep breath and we start smiling that doesn't mean we're inauthentic like we're lying or cover things up it's just hey we're here to serve and and what we're doing in our authenticity is not saying hey we just got in a huge fight we're not talking to each other so we're authentic we're transparent yeah that's Um, too far yeah that like that's weird and yeah. toxic. Uh, but what we're doing is in authenticity, authenticity is saying, um, yeah, I mean, we, we struggle. We have to work on our marriage. We, um, we don't always get along. We, mm-hmm. uh, we've had hard years. We've had hard months. We've had hard days. Um, and letting people in on that without letting them in to all the the nitty gritty details. Now there are part of, I think part of it though, is having people that you're authentic with. So, you know, that you, you know, we have a a leader or pastor or counselor that we're talking with and letting them in on the, on the true side of it. And then our kids, right. As our kids are um, becoming teenagers and almost pretty close to having three teenagers we we're not telling them uh, to pretend we're not telling them and i don't know what that looks like but i know that it happens um you need to you need to act right putting that pressure to act on a kid to act right not because acting right is what you want them to do, but because it looks bad on us as pastors if you act mm-hmm. wrong. And I think that's not authentic. Yep. Yeah, and I think there can be a toxic, a toxic authenticity, which I think is what you're talking about. Like it can be like too far um, or not appropriate place or time. Um, and that and, and it can go the other way, right? Like you just said, making our kids behave all the time because it makes us look bad if they don't, right? which we don't do, but it can be toxic on that side as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's, it's just about ahead. balance, right? Like that's what we teach in therapy. Everything is about balance. And so we have to find that balance between being authentic and appropriate. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the scripture you read it out of the message version, right? Yes. I I like how it's communicated here 
Watch yourselves carefully so you don't get contaminated with Pharisee phoniness. Uh, abbreviated to the point, but it's easy to be contaminated with Pharisee phoniness. How do we as American churchgoers, how do we catch that? How do we get contaminated with phoniness? What does that look like? I think like in America, we want to look like we have it all together. Like our house has to be perfect and clean. Our kids have to be put together. Um, Like spiritually, we know every scripture in the Bible. We struggle with nothing. We trust God with everything. Like everything has to be so perfect here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not reality. Our our house isn't going to be perfect. Our kids aren't going to be perfect. Can I can I say this, Michelle? Because this is something. It's maybe I don't know if it's a pet peeve, but something that I notice is I feel like I feel like there's phoniness right now in culture where people are pretending they have problems that they don't. Oh yeah, having problems is something that's celebrated right now. So, and I'm going to say something, and it's maybe I shouldn't say it. Because I'm I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble, or people are going to think I'm talking about them. And truly, I'm not talking about anybody. But okay, uh, but I feel like a lot of moms post like if you want a lot of likes, you just talk you you talk on Facebook about how bad you are, mm-hmm. and then you get like a hundred likes. So I feel like people are faking it being bad because you get more likes that way. So like. Hey, I just need to tell all the mothers out there that some days you're some days you just find your um your three year old is addicted to THC gummies and but listen, we're, everybody's struggling. We're all struggling, right? And it's just like you need to get a hundred likes. Obviously, that's hyperbole, but yeah. It's, it's a fake. It is. It's still phoniness because the Pharisees were looking like the high and mighty. Now we're we're trying to say, oh, and we're trying to relate to people by faking that we have problems that we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all for likes. And it is it this is it the same thing? Is it different? Is it come It's the same thing, but the other side. Right. Like, um, I feel like it was Pastor Stephen who said this once and I don't want to misquote him, but, you know, something like people wear their depression, like as a badge almost like, oh, I'm depressed or, oh, I'm anxious. And they like speak it over their life. And right, because we want to be authentic about those things when we're struggling, but we hold on to them with like pride almost. Right. So it's, it's the same thing, but the opposite side and both lead to destruction, in my opinion. Yeah, we can't ignore that we're struggling with depression. But what scriptures are we speaking over our lives? What things are we speaking over our lives that God wants us to speak into our lives um, instead of focusing on um, how hard we have it? And then, honestly, really, some of those posts are how hard we have it, but how well we're managing it. Right. So, woe is me, but look how awesome I am. Yeah, I honestly, there's one author that you listen to that drives me crazy because I feel like she's like that. 
and I and I obviously I've less I've listened to the books too, and I've recommended them because I think they're helpful. But I think sometimes she's making it up because it sells more books, or yep. exaggerates it because it sells more books. And and I think too, and and I'll be a, maybe more frank than I should, but I feel like it's just you and me talking, um, and we're having a private conversation. But it does add a third person. I feel like if you're a pastor right now and you want to sell a book, then you write a book on mental health and your own mental health crisis. And one of the podcasts, I don't listen to him very often um, because he's always he's always like wearing you know my burnout story. I remember when I had burnout, and he's like so proud that he had burnout. And then everybody feels like, well, if I'm going to be a good pastor, I better have a burnout story. And so then they start saying, yeah, I had burnout because it gets sympathy. It's like a badge, and we're treating it like right like a social media badge. Top fan. <laughs> You know, he's got the burnout badge. He's got the mental health badge. He he's got the uh, the multi-site badge. He's got the um, he's got the. I, I'm a, I have more things popping in my head, but I better stop before I get myself in trouble. But I think what we do in culture is we bounce back and forth from one extreme to the other. So before we couldn't talk about mental health in church at all because it was bad, right? It was like you didn't want to talk about it because you wouldn't get likes. You wouldn't get people into church. Like it was bad. Now we're airing on the complete other side where it's our whole identity. Right. Right. I'm, I'm not depressed. Right. I'm suffering with depression, which I'm not, but like, that's right. We're like, I'm depressed. No, I'm a child of God filled with the Holy spirit. And I'm struggling today, but that is not my identity. Right. So we have to, we don't find that balance and we go from one stream to the other. And I think if you, I think you're talking about the author that I think you're talking about, she wrote a book and then years later wrote another book that contradicted a lot of what she said. Cause I think cause culture shifted and I like got maybe three quarters away through the book and went, eh, cause it didn't feel authentic anymore. It felt like maybe she learned and developed and that's why she wrote the book. But it just felt more like, oh, I can't talk like that anymore because that's not how culture is. I have to be like this now. Yeah. It's like, you know, and I was, I was going to throw the author under the bus, but it's it lovely. feels like um, they're showing off their problems. They're showing yeah. off. They're showing off their problems because, again, having like, oh, I'm so authentic. Look at all the problems I have. And I don't, honestly, I, I don't know that they really have those problems, which again, you know, maybe, maybe oh. I'm just in a jerk mood. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we don't, know, right? We always err on the side of, all right, if you're saying you're feeling it or experiencing it, sure. But how do we move on from it? And, and for me, like, as I'm preaching on Sunday morning, I have to be careful. I try not to tell stories where I'm the hero. I try to be very careful about that. And so sometimes I don't tell stories that I probably should or testimonies that I probably should because I just feel like it's self-promotion. It's fake. How can I tell a story where I look, I'm making myself look good? So I try not to do that. And so when people are taking their problems and then using it to self-promote themselves, I just feel like, uh, I don't know, something about that irks me wrong. I don't know if it's because... I'm French Canadian or because I'm from 
because I'm a Yankee, like living here in the Northeast or because I'm a pastor, but I just, I just wrestle, I just wrestle with that when, um, you know, when it's used that way. Now, testimony is a testimony, but a testimony should give glory to God, mm-hmm. not glory to me. Yep. And that's a hard, it is honestly a hard balance. It's something that I'm probably hypersensitive to that no one else is. It could just be my own thing and my own issue. Yeah. But I think that's the challenge of, of, of being, uh, is being authentic. It, it's just Pharisee phoniness. Easy to be phony. Easy to be phony. And you just start saying things you don't believe in, waving flags you don't believe in, um, spouting off uh, talking points. You just start repeating everything everybody else says. So like one that's not political, but one that's um, just in the church world. Get a group of pastors together and someone says something about the next generation and the pastor shortage we have, and it easily turns into a conversation denigrating Bible colleges and denigrating um, denigrating like youth pastors. So Bible colleges, they're not raising people to be in ministry. When was the last time they gave us someone to be in a ministry? Or it's the youth pastors. They're not discipling the teenagers to whatever, whatever. And, and it's like, do you really believe this? I, I don't think this is the problem here. I don't think it's mm-hmm. Bible colleges can only create ministers if the churches are creating ministers. So instead of pointing fingers at everybody else, what does your church look like? Do you yeah. do you have a, a ministry here that are helping that's helping people fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with this church, um, helping them, and so. I don't know. It's just all these talking points that people just repeat over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And we just repeat it because I don't know, we repeat it, but maybe we don't even believe it or we haven't even taken time to think through it. So we're putting on a religious mask. Yeah. We're we're dressing a certain way. We're talking a certain way. We know how to fit in worship service. We raise our hands. We, even give we're in a circle we say the right things in the circle and then we're hiding our addiction we're hiding our sin we're hiding we're hiding our self-righteousness we're and we're never we're never really letting anybody know who we really are we're never living as our true authentic self it's always a game it's always a ploy there's always a level of phoniness and 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 maybe we talk through this partly because we have we don't even have any idea who we are. We're just so messed up. We have no idea who we are. We don't even know we're messed up. Yep. You're, Is that a- yeah, Nate, you are messed up. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm so stuck on the story thought. <laughs> Go ahead. The the what part? Just um, like I get your frustration with people like being the hero of the story or sharing their testimony or they always have something in their life or God's always doing something like there's always a story. But I think too, like if we're not careful, we'll err on the side, which I think is what you're starting to do is err on the side of not sharing stories. And that's not what God wants us to do, right? For generations and generations, we've shared stories to teach the next generation, and so, like, stories are important. They inspire people to change and have hope. Um, 
So I think you should share some of your stories because I think they're valuable. But I also get the point that like, yeah, you, it can go too far, right? Is that balance again? Um, but that that was stuck in my head. I needed to get it out. So what was the what was your next thought? Because you um, went to t- I'm not sure. I think it was about what to have for dinner tonight. No, it definitely wasn't that. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, honestly. That's okay. Sorry, I kind of messed it up. Um, I have no, I have no way of going back, go back in time. This conversation now we're just stuck. Someone is yelling at us right now, trying to tell us what it is. (laughs) We're not going to get it, friend. (laughs) I I think it's in that, like you were talking, it's, we're always being the phony Pharisees, right? We're going, you said we were going to church, we're doing all these things, but we're not being authentic who we are. Oh, we don't even know who we really are. We don't even know who we really are. Right. And people start going through therapy and they discover, I know for me, right. Like I discover all the time, like things that bother me that I didn't even slow down to know that made me sad or bothered me or like values I have that I just didn't even know I had. But when I slow down and I can figure more about me, the world around me seems less offensive, right? The world around me seems less scary because I'm learning me and who I'm, who I'm confident in who I am. Um, I, I think when you know yourself, right, it allows you to, to, it allows you an awareness of the situation. So I know, um, I'm feeling. Right. I'm, I'm irritated. And so I start like, you know, when this happened a couple of nights ago, like one of the kids in my ear, like whispering, chirping, asking over and over again. I'm like, could you just stop, please? Could you back up? I need some space here. And then I've got to right. I, I could easily just say, dude, you're annoying me. Get out of here. Go away and hold him. Um, which is would be how I respond. But uh, self-awareness, knowing myself is saying, hey, I'm trying to write an email and I can't listen to you and write this email at the same time. So I just need you to pause. I don't, I, I don't hate your guts. I'm not asking, I just need you to pause for a little bit. Let me finish this. Let me type this out, get this done, close my laptop, and then listen to you. And because I'm, I have to know my anxiousness is not this kid in my ear. My anxiousness is not my kid. I'm not a bad dad. I'm not a lunatic. And I'm not even a workaholic. It's just I can't listen to myself trying to type this email and 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 listen to my son who's asking me questions at the exact same time. So let's do a timeout on one. Let me finish one and and do separate things at a time. Yeah, that can be an example because otherwise, right? We're stressed. We're anxious. We don't know why. We're losing our temper. We're losing our mind. We have no idea why. We just we're just living in chaos because we don't know who we are, what we're dealing with, what even is stressing us out. Yep. And I know we did a sermon a number of years ago. Was it beneath the surface? And it's talking about like what is going on internally. Do you have an awareness of what you're feeling and why? And um and that you know those are things that you you discover through become becoming self-aware and you discover mm-hmm. you know through counseling as well. I know one of the counseling systems is uh, integrated family systems, which is 
saying like, okay, you're anxious about this or you're afraid of this, but it's not actually you who's afraid. You need to discover what part of you is afraid. And so maybe you're scared of the dark. And so, well, why am I scared of the dark? And like, oh, well, 12-year-old me had a burglar climb through their window um, and poke their eye when they were a little kid. And Mm -hmm. so that's why they're afraid of the dark. And and maybe you want to share that true story with everybody, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't 12. (laughs) Well, share that story anyway, because I think it's crazy. And I must have been like four or five. You know, it's always hard to in my head to know what's true or not true because my dad was a storyteller. But I'm fairly, if my mom's listening, I'm fairly certain it was true. Um, But in my memory, I was sleeping in bed and my window was open. It was summertime. My dad had been working on the house. The ladders were up near the windows, which is insane. I feel like we would never do that nowadays. Like just here's an entry point. Um, I I heard someone, I started waking up and they poked me in the eyeball. And, um, I think ran out the window and we, and that house had been at people had tried to break in quite often into that house. And so I was so terrified and I made my brother every night, like put teddy bears around me. Cause that was somehow going to protect me or, or whatnot. But it really did give me a fear, um, you know, of the dark or being home alone. Um, but yeah, they stole money out of my sister's piggy bank from my memory. Who knows? What in reality, my mom will call me later and be like, oh, honey, that was dad who poked you in the eye, but we'll find out later. <laughs> but, it, you know, I do remember my dad yelling, so I assume there was someone there, but um, they're just scared. It's like a scary, uh, it was a scary time when people were just, you know, breaking in and stealing stuff. So you can be, you can have something dramatic like that happen in your life. You can be an adult and you're living in fear of the dark, but you have no idea why. And you mm-hmm. just have this person who's afraid. But actually, it's not you who's afraid. It's that four-year-old <laughs> self who who went through that trauma. And you're able, as an adult, to kind of speak to that four-year-old self and say, yeah. hey, actually, I can care for you. You're not weak anymore. You're not alone anymore. I can care for you. And as you heal those parts of yourself, your true self is able to be active, right? Because yeah. your true self is not four years old anymore. Your true self's not in danger, but your nervous system doesn't know that. And it's reacting according mm-hmm. to these triggers and these traumas. Yep. Part of becoming your true self is actually kind of healing some of those things. Right. Past, which is one of the great parts of the gospel. Yeah. And that, and that filters into every area of our life, right? Like um, when my dad was angry, that was a scary thing for us. And so, right. I associate angry men as bad. Instead of like anger is just a normal feeling that everyone has, right? right? But you got to go, you got to know, well, why am I afraid of men, right? And I got to go back and heal it. I can know it, but I got to go back and work on it. Right. And I think sometimes we make jokes. Yeah, like sometimes we make jokes. I make jokes even, you know, in the work I'm in, like, um, oh, sorry, I jumped, traumatized. And then like, like I own it. I, that's who I say I am. It's not who I am. I had trauma, but I don't have to live there anymore. Um, but it's, yeah, it's our job to be authentic with the things we struggle with, figure out why, and then fix it. It's no one else's job to do that for us. Yep. 
So did you tell us in your message how to take off that mask? Like, how do we do that in our circle? How do we do that in our church community? Yeah, I think, you know, I always encourage clients to start small. Um, even if it's something silly, like, hey, yeah, I, and how's your day? And we always say good, even if it wasn't. And being authentic, like, oh, I had a tough day because, and we start small and we allow the people in our circle to build some trust with them because that's normal and natural. We should do that. Um, like we shouldn't walk in a grocery store and tell everyone our sorrows. It's not safe. Um, but, you know, get into a circle, build relationship, trust them with the little and allow it to grow and allow God to walk alongside you while you're sharing those truths whatever they are. Some people can do it easier, right? They might go to circle the first week and be like, Hey guys, I have addiction and, um, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do or how to get help. Uh, but some people need to start small, right? Like I had a bad day. Um, I'm struggling emotionally today. It's gotta be like hire a counselor and tell them all of your crap. Tell them all of the, all of the things that you don't want anybody else to know. They can't tell anybody. Unless it's like a, a criminal offense that they are mandatory reporter for, but tell tell them everything, and so then you've at least now you're there's at least one person in the world that you're not hiding everything with. Right. Yeah, I think a counselor is a great place to start. They don't know you, they don't know your circle, and um, they they can't tell anyone. They lose their job. I don't know one therapist that like wants to lose their job over someone's story. Yeah. Um, but it's a good place to start. But even still people, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in session and I'm like, you're not telling me the whole story. I can't even help you until you tell me the whole story. Um, and I always say this can go quick or go long. It's really up to your comfort level and building trust with me and opening up. It takes some people a year meeting with me weekly for a year to tell me what they're really struggling with. And it doesn't have to be like that. Right. Um, the other part of it too, is you do have a, you do have a pastor, uh, at the church, your location pastor. Um, if you're a teenager, your next gen pastor, if you're, um, in a circle, your circle leader to someone to say, Hey, can I get a cup of coffee? And just say, I just need to tell someone in the church, my, my life. And mm -hmm. You know, we've had people share share their life. It's a it's a dirty life. It's um it's a lot of tragedy. It's a lot maybe a lot of harm that they've caused. But mm -hmm. there's something so freeing from them when they and I'm sure you've seen it, but when they share their story and when we when we respond with the love of God from that, and so they share their story, they're expecting us to yell at them, hate them, to kick them out. And then when we respond with love, all of a sudden, that moment we respond with love, we've seen it so many times. And then just the tears start flowing, 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 because they never thought that we would still love them after. Yep. Yeah, I've seen it so many times in our ministry where people, you can tell they're distant, right? They're not really super connected. And then when they really let it out, that's when God starts working. Yeah. That's when God can start healing. That's when they can get the help they need. 
that's when they get connected and find their their ministry within the church and in the world. But it's not until until they're open and honest. That's when God is able to redeem it. What yeah. the devil meant for evil. We, you know, once we begin to communicate and allow the enemy to stop torturing us with it. Yeah. Now it's redeemed God's body. He's using it now. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, and I always think like, like God is in going to invade where we're not asking him to invade. Right. Cause that would be scary. Maybe there are times, but um, I know there's been times in my life where I've just had to be authentic towards God and how I felt towards him or about a situation and ask him for help. And it's not until that moment that he, it, it, he invades it. The, the, your last point was, well, for, it was take off the mask. What are you afraid of? But your last point was your worth being known. Yeah. And I, right. I think that's, I think it could be maybe hard, hard to believe. Yeah. People don't see their value. We get on two sides, crazy confident or lack confidence or nowhere in the middle. Um, but we need to be, we need to be in the, the middle, right? We have to be, we have to understand that God created us for a purpose. And when we're truly known and walking in that purpose, it impacts us, but everyone around us. And so when we avoid being authentic and not known, you know, we're, we're missing something that God had for us. We're missing impacting someone in our workplace or our church or our community because we care so much about being perfect or we care so much about our, you know, sad story. Yeah. Which, you know, if we can balance those two, it's better. Mm-hmm. But, Yeah. God excuse me, God values you. He yeah. loves you. He wants. He already knows everything about you, right? So not to keep hiding it from him. And then our church loves you. Our church wants you. And maybe maybe there are some parts of your life that that not everybody can handle knowing. All right, but I think your pastors can. Yeah. Because they're still gonna love you. Still going to disciple you. Um, your circle leader is going to love you. They're going to disciple you. You know that thing that the uh, Satan's using to haunt you with. Okay, let it down. Let it go. Tell someone. Don't let them haunt you with it anymore. And uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to been blackmailed. The enemy tries to blackmail us. I've never tried to be blackmailed. I don't think. But it's like. Uh, you know, if you if you don't do this, then I'm gonna tell everybody, and it's like, oh, hey, everybody, <laughs> I did this, and then it's like, oh, okay, uh, maybe uh, maybe a sibling. If you if you don't if you don't give me your money, I'm gonna go tell mom that you did this. Oh, okay, hey, mom, I I broke this lamp, uh, yeah. right? And, and so they just take the power out of the enemy, trying to blackmail you and trying to manipulate you. Yep. I think if we know, right, you're going to be loved on the other side because God values you. We value you. Your leaders value you. Then that takes away all of the enemy's power. Yeah. He doesn't play the game anymore. 
And I'll say this, there's no life in pretending you're spiritual. There's no joy in pretending you've got your religious life all put together. Um, instead of putting all that energy into pretending you're something you're not, put the energy into just growing. Just read your Bible. Pray. Make, a, make, a, make some mistakes. Um, get the help you need. And um, and experience the joy that comes from following the Lord, because there is no joy in being a religious phony and having a, a fake smile. Um, <laughs> follow Jesus and receive the John ten ten life. Receive the joy that's our strength. Receive Him and have a a real smile <laughs> that yeah. that that He's promised us and and that you can have. Yeah. And I think knowing and understanding that we're never going to fully be there, right? Like we're always learning and growing and taking the steps that God has for us and it gets better and better. And I won't share the person's name, but they're in my circle and they're about to hit 50 years of being saved, which was like neat to me. Um, and, And just listening to his story last night of like when I was in my younger years of being saved. I believe this, but God walked me through and now I believe this. And just even recent things like that God's done in his life to bring growth and change. It's like, he's been at it 50 years. I've only been at it, you know, 30. So I got, he's got 20 years on me for me to learn. But we want to wait until we're been saved for 50 years to be authentic, right? He started being authentic 50 years ago. Yeah. No, just always growing and learning and that's okay. That's how it's supposed to be. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, any um any podcasts or books that you want to uh, recommend? Uh, oh, I mean, obviously I recommend therapy. Um I think doing a you know, um, some like self-help books of, you know, forgetting, forgiving what I can't forget is like a good book, uh, to start growing in that area. If you do have trauma, um, and it helps you to be more authentic, right. When we are discovering who we are, um, I don't know of any podcast. Um, yeah, I think my favorite thing to do is reading God's word and finding out scriptures about who I am, right? Yeah. Who does God say I am in his Bible? And I love having those um, on repeat or in places I'm going to read them, um, right? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I say that every day um, because we won't truly be known until we're close to him. Yeah. So I know we like, obviously the Bible, we should be reading it, but I think we really should be reading it to understand who we are and who God is, because that's when we begin to heal and truly become known. Mm-hmm. Um, there, so I keep saying them today. The uh, Scott, Pastor Scott Wilson, I, I'm pretty sure I recommended this before, but he wrote a book on identity, which is helpful. Um, Emotionally Healthy Leader, we recommended before. Uh, that's another great book toxic soul is one we have not recommended before it's written to pastors but 
again, just what is what is underneath, um, what's real, and this is just a few recommendations off. You yeah, know, those are bookshelf that that have been helpful to me. Yeah, as, uh, I try to grow and be be the true me on stage, off stage, uh, on the podcast. When you and I are out alone, when we're with the kids, on the good days and the bad days, that um, I'm I have integrity. That I am the same person, no matter where I am. Yeah, which I haven't. I have appreciated your dance moves on Sunday mornings, or your skipping. Or I don't remember. You don't. Remember. I got a picture of it. I'll share it with you later. Well, I'm glad you appreciate my dance moves. That is, uh, I'm authentically a terrific dancer. So yeah, I think just being yourself, right? Like being who God created is who He called to be the pastor. Yeah, and I think that's actually a good point, right? Because. Um, there are some people who hate who I am. <laughs> not many, I mean, not many, but they're always always vocal, right? So when they when they leave the church, it's it can be like really they can say derogatory things about me, which happened a lot when we when we first became the lead pastors. I get up, I say my joke. Well, he's not very blah 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 blah. I can't even. He's not very. Um, how dare he? How could he? And 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 there was a real pressure not to be me and um every once in a while right i i a new person will hurt me and i'll end up in my shell a little bit mm -hmm. i'll i'll be more calculated i won't be as loose i'm more worried about what i'm saying and who's gonna get mad and instead of just yeah um being truly me being known and yeah. I'm being afraid of who likes me or who not. Not that I'm abrasive or a jerk, right? But it's just like, no, I, God created me to tell stories and to have humor and to, and to preach in parables, right? Um, preaching stories. Yeah. And to be that, not try to be the polished big name preacher that someone else is. Yeah, and I think when you are that on a Sunday, right? Those are the Sunday mornings that it's like, that was so good. It was so good because you're being that funny, adventurous storytelling guy that God literally created you to be. Not everyone can tell a story, uh, but you can. And I think that's valuable. And remembering like we're not everybody. Well, you don't like everybody and everyone's not going to like us and that's okay. Right. We're here to serve God and not the person in front of us. Well, I guess we're here to serve them too as their pastor, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, for, uh, thanks for chit chatting. Appreciate you, Michelle. You're a great leader. You're a great preacher. You're a great Appreciate mom. You're a great Appreciate wife. The opportunity. Well, I'll text you. I'll let you know what, what's for dinner. I was going to say, what's for dinner? <laughs> All right. Hi. Bye, buddy. Bye. Bye.